0: to the Relief Podcast from the Akron Art Museum, bringing joy and comfort to your day. I am Gina Thomas-McGee, the Museum's Director of Learning and Engagement, and if you've been following along, listening to episodes, you know that we have been hearing some new voices on the pod lately, and today we have one of my friends and colleagues on the podcast, Stephanie Petcavage. Hello. So Steph, we are talking about, can I call you Steph? Mm -hmm. Okay. Pod listeners. She goes by Steph. And we are talking about movement today. So we wanted to chat with you because I know you have a personal connection to movement in your personal life. And also in your position, you are in charge of when the museum moves artwork around whether in the building or in the world. So tell us your role at the museum and a little bit about what you do.
1: Okay. Well, so I am the collections manager and exhibitions registrar. And so it's kind of like two jobs in one. They do go hand in hand. Uh, The collection manager position, it kind of oversees the care of the collection, making sure that light is not like, you know, too harsh, it's not fading. Um, There's not like mold growing. You know, I monitor these situations and to try to prevent them not to happen. And then on the exhibition's registrar position, I deal with loans coming in, uh, loans that we would like to loan out. And that does include it includes insurance. Um, it does include condition reporting once the loan comes into the museum, but then also as it travels, something could move and jostle within, and then once it goes to the whoever is borrowing the piece, they condition it when it's there. So, so there's a whole like start to finish with with a loan, and one of the important things is to really making sure that it's even possible to go out on loan and if it can handle the, the shipping, the transport, and if it can handle the vibration of particular, like international, if it can go on a plane, And there's the vibrations right yeah Yeah. and then also it bumping on the road with the trucks is that we really want to make sure that the whole piece is secure and it's safe and it's in good condition that it can handle very minimal vibrations at a time so um, but that is definitely one of the things that i do deal with is making sure that it's packed safely and uh, securely and so then when it goes, then then when they open it up, they just make sure that nothing nothing's loose, nothing's fallen, nothing you new know, cracks, you know, nothing we'll sh- like that. Still in good <laughs> condition. Yes, yes. Ugh.
0: And correct me if I'm wrong. Sometimes you move with the artwork, right? Sometimes you travel with it, or yes. the curators.
1: Sometimes do yes. Too? So particularly our very high priced pieces, the anyone that is uh, borrowing a piece from ours, we will actually discuss with them, and we might even have someone travel with a piece for. Security purposes currying or the person is a courier so uh like this last week we did just ha- have our silver kusama chair go on loan and because that i w- the registrar me myself and i uh, <laughs> i i would be the one to to go with the piece and making sure that it's safe and and always be present uh, with that crate, with that shipment. Uh, I wasn't able to go, so our additional colleague, Jeff, he went along and he was, I mean, he didn't arrive until New York, until like three AM. So, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So yeah. a strange part of the job that nobody thinks about, right? And so, listeners, the piece Steph was talking about is a sculpture, and it is by Yayoi Kusama, and it is essentially a chair, but that has been modified, and additional sculptures have been put on top of it, and so it is one of the gems in our collection. We love it, so mm-hmm. Steph uh, is taking really good care of that.
1: Yes. <laughs> so uh, because that this one is such an important piece in our collection, and that Kusama is such uh, an important artist in the world that this will potentially be the last time it goes on loan. Mm. It's going to go on the do not loan list. (laughs) So if anybody gets a chance, absolutely see this piece at the Jewish Museum in New York. Excellent. So, yeah. And then it comes home to rest, right? We yes. have to get artworks time to rest. Yes. Too. Just like our bodies. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, you know, it's just, it's kind of like, like a decompressing sort of thing. It's been on travel. It's seen other fights and, and um, might've had like some dust on it. And you know, it's, it, it's coming home and it's coming home and it needs to rest. It needs to like chillax, uh, be in a dark <laughs> room for a while, you know, go to sleep for a long time and uh, and then we will consider if we can put it back into our own galleries for visitors' pleasure. So Yeah, yeah.
0: absolutely. So you gave me a free segue there because you talked about resting our bodies and <laughs> uh, the artwork um, our colleague Sloan is going to talk about today actually features movement, a lot of body movement because it's a work that deals with dance and stretching and moving our bodies and I know you have a personal. Personal connection to
1: that too right <laughs> yes yes so so actually this this is a very favorite piece of mine i it really does pertain to me i love yeah it's honore
0: Gil- <laughs> <laughs> it's a tricky one um he's from baton rouge so he's got some french in his name um
1: honore gilbo Gilbeau. okay mm-hmm. okay so so i actually we we do have a lot of his pieces in our collection and um he, he actually he does sketch a lot of uh figures in movement. And I had started dancing since I was three. I started it when I was three and, oh yeah, I was adorable. Oh, I'm sure that sounds very uh, yeah. adorable. And then, <laughs> the program that I was in, it was the YWCA and it was, uh, um, you know, for women. And um, this program was for, uh, for children. And then you have like a senior class when you are graduating high school. And so I had a senior class uh, dance and I choreographed the whole thing myself and honored it to my, to my mom that was in the crowd. She would sing to me, Moon River. And so I danced to, yeah, I danced to Moon River. So yeah, yeah. Oh. But but yeah, so I, I mean, it's showing stretching. It's showing, you know, people uh, at the moment of moving their bodies. And, you know, and then you do, you do kind of have to have to uh, be at rest after after dancing your hearts out. So but, yeah, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Steph and I are going to take a rest ourselves.
0: And we are actually going to turn over this collection deep dive of Honoré Gilbeau's work for art's sake to our colleague, Sloan King Owen. So enjoy.
2: The gradual opening of the hips, the curling fingers of a deliberately posed hand. It's the wave-like back and forth of the alternately pointed and flexed foot when we stretch, the arching of your back and the spring in your step. There's a reason our bodies instinctively break into a happy rhythm when we taste something delicious or the winds of fate change direction in our favor. Joyful movement is the ultimate celebration of our freedom. Hi, it's Sloane again, Education Coordinator at Akron Art Museum. In the final episode of this season's podcast, I'll be taking one last deep dive with you. Today, we'll be looking at the work of American printmaker, Honor Bo, and her lithograph titled, For Art's Sake. I encourage you to join me now and taking a slow, deep breath, as we engage in some thoughtful looking together. (sighs) Let's begin. Honor Kippo's undated lithograph in black and white depicts the preparatory movements of a dance. A figure in six positions moves through a variety of poses on a darkened stage. The dancer, dressed in a flowing ankle length skirt and a midriff bearing top, move through a series of poses. The diagonal composition begins with a seated figure at the bottom left of the lithograph. This seated dancer reaches out across the length of their outstretched legs towards a flexed foot while their opposite leg rests in flexion behind them. With their back to the viewer, they focus solely on the stretch and the exertion of their preparations. Above the seated dancer, another figure holds a wide straddling position. Their gaze lands on the ground between their legs at their hands, their fingers steepled against the floor. In the very center of the composition, a third dancer bends at the waist to assist their hands resting on the hips of the dancer in front of them. Are these figures many individual dancers warming up for an ensemble performance? Or has the artist rendered the depiction of a single dancer in motion? The identical costuming and styling of the figures makes it hard to determine. Perhaps we're witnessing the nervous backstage warm up of a small dance troupe in rehearsal. It's just as likely still that we're witnessing the composite range of motions the individual dancer makes as they ready themselves for the stage. The remaining three poses depict the dancer's body in contortion. The leftmost dancer bends their back with their hands overhead. They reach and stretch all the way to the floor in an elegant arch. The dancer to their right squats. Their hands rest against their thighs in support. This dancer closes their eyes as they toss their head and torso to the right, their waist contorting in the middle with the effort of their exertion. The final dancer, in the center rear of the composition, raises their left leg. Their gaze, a serene mask of concentration, focuses upon the foot flexed in extension. The composition rise with life, movement as the dancers bend and sway across the center in a ballet of preparation. The dancers reach both across the floor and towards the sky in a symphony of poses, reveling in the power of their body moving through space as the lithograph fades to white in the margins. This has been this week's deep dive. Join me next time for another quiet moment with the art. I've been Sloane, and thanks for looking. Hey, it's
3: Caitlin, and for this season's final Shop Talk segment, I interviewed artist Benedict Schroyer. Benedict is currently based in Columbus, Ohio, and is an interdisciplinary artist. His practice is informed by drawing, gardening, nature, belonging, and meditation. One of Benedict's works will be on view at the museum for the Front International Triennial. So stick around, listen to the birds and Benedict's thoughtful Shop Talk. I'm Caitlin Evans, Community Engagement Specialist at the Akron Art Museum, and I'm here today with Benedict Scheuer, artist based in Columbus, Ohio. So Benedict, I'm curious what your thoughts are on the podcast theme, which is move or movement, and maybe how that. You respond to it or how that applies to your work
4: yeah totally when i hear the word move as it like sort of relates to my practice i really just think so much about the act of drawing to me drawing is totally of the entire body and so just moving and keeping a steady motion and rhythm that's tied to my breathing that's kind of where i go within that and then more, I think, philosophically, I also think about it in regards to just like the way that everything is connected. And so it's like transfer of physical matter from one form to the next, which is constant forever. So yeah, that's kind of, that's how I interpret the word move. Yeah. <laughs>
3: No, and I love that idea of the transformation from each piece and each material onward, which pretty directly ties to the artwork focus of this podcast, which is by Honore Ghibou, uh, for art's sake. And by direct, I mean, uh, there's a portrayal of dancers, performers, yeah. showing different movements. And so I'm curious about your reaction when you saw this piece, and if you were familiar with it in general
4: yeah i was not familiar with the piece or the artist before looking at it and i would love to see it in person someday but yeah my first i like kind of went a few directions while looking at it one i was really interested in the title itself and i thought I was like asking myself in terms of like what how do we honor or like perform some form of devotion towards art and the answer in this situation and maybe for most is through making and through art itself so it's like mm-hmm. art is honored through art itself which is really beautiful and then within the actual drawing flash print I believe I was really drawn to the facial expressions on the figures some were much more they're all very focused but some have different levels of like tenderness or sort of like a more rigid focus and then I was also really drawn into the sort of off-centered symmetry of the piece yeah there's some sort of symmetry happening within the bodies but it kind of gets pulled to one side yeah. and then within that also all these bodies are kind of masked by the, the outfits that these dancers are wearing mm-hmm. so like these limbs and parts of limbs hands and feet they kind of become distorted and it almost feels as if all of these bodies are like one larger entity which I really enjoyed also
3: yeah no that's a good point because to me, it could appear that it's the same former or dancer, like moving throughout the floor, but it yes, could also totally. be all these different individuals. But I do love the idea of like it being a singular entity, kind of moving and breathing together, which I would just love to point out. I was reading your artist bio and you mentioned like spirituality, champion yeah. sensation, also walking between your studio and the garden, and we're hearing some birds in the background. So oh, I, yeah. I love that connection too, of the movement you're doing with your practice beyond like the physical art making.
4: Totally. Yeah. Yeah. and i really do think of this studio as sort of ex- expanded out of the actual physical space of the studio so i am thinking a lot about like these birds around constantly lately all the time <laughs> but i really do i think yeah gardening is so important and so the work that i'm doing i think is a way of like framing just my own headspace but also it becomes this act of creation in a way where yeah I don't know you invest something really small and tiny as a seed and then you nurture it over the course of however long and I really enjoy that process and I see a lot of parallels in making in the studio and I think those things influence each other back and forth constantly
3: yeah well this is the great transition because my kind of non-art question is what is the first thing you do in the morning
4: oh yeah and I wonder um, how
3: that maybe transcribes to your practice
4: totally uh my morning is really devoted to i guess in a lot of ways i guess the easiest way to to say is i devote my mornings to sort of just like mental health and getting myself ready for the day and so the first things in that is like all lumped together they're like three distinct parts it's like breakfast yes (laughs) breakfast like eggs toast avocado like a little kimchi if i have it yeah like a big, big old plate big cup of coffee and then lately i've been sitting out on the porch with that and just kind of like watching the cars drive by and then following that i usually go into like 20 minutes of meditation and then immediately into that i usually read my tarot and then i go into some journaling which is like usually very pointedly like how am i feeling and then i just let whatever comes out and i also do follow that up with like a little drawing and so i try to do that every morning with like a flexibility of well it's not going to happen every morning but i try to piece it together throughout my day whenever i can so yeah it's the most important part of my day and it affects i think everything and brings a little bit more clarity and brightness to everything that i'm doing so
3: what a wonderful practice! I know, like I journal at night. So oh, think yeah. of doing that in the morning time would be really wonderful to like wake up my senses. So yeah, and
4: I'll have I have to try I- that out. I have to try journaling at night.
3: <laughs> yeah, for me, it's like a brain dump of like what I like emotionally went through of the day and like, mm-hmm. I don't know, kind of just decompressing from it. But I'm also curious. I have been also bad about going to sleep early and not journaling. So oh, yeah, buying it in the morning might be interesting.
4: Okay, totally. Yeah, it's <laughs> a it's a hard thing to do consistently i'm constantly personally being like this you gotta do this this is the work need for yourself
3: yeah well good and to somewhat transition what are your three desert island studio needs
4: oh okay the first thing without a doubt is crayons (laughs) okay i yeah i think i'm like working on a lot of silk and things these days but i think in terms of like the heart and the soul of a lot of what I care about, like, I can access through just that material, okay. Um, and so I love crayons, I love that they, yeah, I'm just so obsessed with crayons. So it would be crayons, it would be paper, and honestly, probably, I guess we could lump paper and like journal together, maybe. Sure. I yeah, feel like my journal really keeps me on track. Um, so crayons, journal, and <laughs> I, I. I <laughs> I'm trying to think of the next thing. Those are the most important. Other than that, I think just honestly, I'm very content with those things. Oh
3: wow, okay.
4: It may be like a good snack.
3: You know, some people tend to go a little off material and go into. I think somebody mentioned, um, um, like a rechargeable battery for their or like a record player. They just use oh music gosh, yeah, as a yeah. part of it. So no, that's great. But honestly,
4: a... yeah, yeah. Or sorry, I'll, I'll end it there. Yeah, I could keep a rambling on.
3: No, that's great. So do you have like a preferred crayon, or just
4: lately, I really am into these like jumbo like these extra like chunky crayons and specifically just black. So okay. I'm really liking those. I think that you can really get a good grip on them and they don't snap as easily. Yeah. I like to apply a lot of pressure. And so, yeah, I'm really, I really like those crayons. I think, yeah. And just holding them is like fun and feels Yeah. Yeah,
3: right. It's like those pencils for children when they're first learning to write, like the children oh of them. Yeah,
4: and honestly, that's where that first... like that first jumbo crayon came from a like a five-year-old who oh I love that was like sharing their crayons with me and I was, okay, I need more.
3: <laughs> That's sweet. And then maybe out of those, or in general, what's your
4: favorite tool? My favorite tool, okay, well, probably is crayons, totally. And I think that I guess I can expand a little bit into one of another reason that I really like them. And I think that I'm lately I've been really drawn to things that have some sort of response to environmental temperature. So crayons, okay. I'm working in the garage in my studio, and so it's really nice to see how the crayons are reacting in other materials as well, just to temperature in that way. So when it's really hot, they become softer and a little bit slower. When it's really cold in the studio and it's like winter outside and I've got my heater blasting, like the crayons are like really hard, and so they glide in an entirely different way. And as you work with them over time, they start to warm up and they bring out different qualities. So I, I like that cranes have a sort of relationship to environment around Well,
3: That's great, yeah, I, I would have never thought about that. And so I appreciate you expanding upon that because I feel like most people wouldn't even think about the temperature of the space and yes. how that changes. So for you, I have five this or that questions, which you don't know what I'm about to ask. So they're pretty quick and snappy. Okay. But- um, so morning or night?
4: Oh, definitely, definitely morning. Okay. Yeah, I can appreciate both, but I love the slowness of the morning and that everything's kind of, I like to take my time and yeah, just like let the sun rise with me, so.
3: Yeah, I agree. Um, Old or new?
4: Definitely old. Okay. Yeah, I think, yeah, the character of things that are older and the way that they've been kind of touched and passed I really enjoy that and I can enjoy new stuff also but right yeah I'm sucked into that um the quality of character that comes with age
3: yeah definitely half full or half empty
4: this is a tricky one I my instinct is to be like half full but then half full towards what is kind of like the question and I'm like lately I'm trying to figure out how to embrace both like this negative and positive in the same spoonful so in a way that is like pleasant and not derailing so Mm -hmm. I think an optimism certainly with an openness for the negative that comes through yeah that's a nice way to put
3: it fast
4: or slow definitely fast
3: oh okay
4: That surprises me. I know. I.
3: (laughs) I mean, I I just just, met you, but I mean, based on your other answers, I would have expected slow.
4: Yeah. Well, I desire slowness. You know, like I'm. I am trying to ask myself, like, what would happen if you really slowed down while you draw? Because when I'm drawing, it's usually really fast, and I just totally lose track, and I don't even. And then the drawing is over, and. I'm interested in how that slowness can, what that can bring for me. And I think that will be like a lifelong discovery. And it will take me my whole life to probably slow down.
3: (laughs) (laughs) No, that's great. And this one is kind of a curveball, but my favorite. Salty or sweet?
4: I'm gonna go with salty, and the first thing that comes to my mind is just tortilla chips and how I love to eat them all the time. Yeah. I feel like my grandparents would be disappointed that I didn't say sweet.
3: <laughs> Did they like create desserts for you or sweets that?
4: There's always this joke about like the dessert stomach and how like no matter how much you eat, you always have room for more dessert. Yes. In this sort of way, but I I love dessert too, but yeah, I think salty is where where my real instinct is and
3: tortilla chips are also so nice because of the crunch and there's such satisfaction they have something to chew on i think like that oh
4: my gosh yeah and so many different things to dip them in yeah
3: yeah the possibilities are endless there (laughs) but i love that note about your grandparents dessert is always on the table it's always an option (laughs) and my last question for you is what is your silver lining
4: i think Well, I kind of maybe hit on this a little bit earlier, but lately, and so maybe a strange way to answer the question, but my first response was birds. And I've just, within my practice of like, trying to become a mindful person and somebody who's really present, which I've got a long ways to go, the birds are something that feel (laughs) the birds are something that feels so consistent. And it's like, I wake up and I can hear them through the window. I'm in the studio. I can hear them outside, especially if the garage door is open. And I think in kind of just recognizing that they're so constant, I've come to have them just remind me to be present. So it's like, I can be distracted and I hear the birds and it's like, oh yeah, like we're here right now. Let's, let's be here. And so I think that that's a, a silver lining for me, the sort of optimism that there are things that can remind us to come back to ourselves.
3: That's truly lovely. And they, yeah, there's such a gentle like sound, even though it, for me, if I look at one and I see how much they're belting out there, like songs and yeah. calls, it's a lot of work, but it's really charming to hear, especially yeah. as a morning person, I'm sure. Oh, that's
4: definitely. Great. <laughs> yeah. So I'll be, I have an exhibition through the Belle Isle viewing room in Detroit, Michigan. So that will actually open on June 25th. And so that should be open during the month of July as well. And then I'll also be having work up in the front triennial mm-hmm. in the museum. So, yes, um, through a large group exhibition, I'm very excited about that. And we'll have this really large silk piece uh 15 feet by like four feet roughly.
2: Wow.
3: Okay.
4: And so and it relates to birds. So. Oh yay. <laughs> so yeah, so that'll be there. And I'm super psyched about it. And just like grateful to like have that amount of ceiling to like share what I do. So
3: Oh, great. Well, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you and meet with you over Zoom. And
4: Yeah, um, it's lovely to meet you, Caitlin.
3: Yeah, well, have a wonderful day. I hope the birds keep you company and your crayons are right where you need them to be.
4: Thank you. Yeah, I hope you and Bug have a great what? day.
3: Oh, as you can hear. Thank you. <laughs> All right, bye. Thank you for listening to the Akron Art
0: Museum's Relief Podcast and for joining us on this month's art adventure. We'll see you next time.